Welcome. I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self-Helpful because not all self-help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self-help world today. How to get actual recharging sleep. We want our sleep to be like plugging our phone in overnight. You plug it in when the battery is low and you wake up to find it fully charged, energy filled and ready for a quality day. Don't you want to be the same? Of course you do. Go to bed and wake up fully charged. But is that happening for you? Do you ever sleep through the night only to wake unrested and not fully charged? There's a lot of content out about sleep, but I still hear most of it focused on actually getting to sleep, you know, getting to sleep quickly, staying asleep, and then of course getting enough sleep. But we find people going to sleep fairly quickly sometimes still getting eight hours of sleep and waking up tired and they fight exhaustion during the day. You know, other symptoms of that are just anxiety and depression and hopelessness and struggles with making decisions and critical and creative thinking. This is what is a struggle in our bodies, our minds, when we don't get quality sleep. So the question is, how is your sleep? Is it actually recharging you? So let's talk about it and look at how to know and how to get what you need. Well, friends, thank you for tuning in. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded through the Zig Ziglar Corporation. And if you're a coach or a consultant and want to add credibility, clients, and impact to your business, I encourage you to go visit Ziglar.com. This podcast exists to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience of life and the way you show up for others. Following the sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life, I bring you my Functional Friday co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, to talk about our sleep quality and actually getting recharged. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so this topic of, as we often hit with in so many of the shows, meditation, I, I just... 
I'm not excited to do that. I'm doing it more now. You know, I, I know the benefit, I'm learning the benefit. I believe in the benefit of it. Should I say that? But sleep as well is not one that I'm, it's not, I'm not exercise. Let's talk about it. Food. Let's talk about it. Even recovery, you know, of going away and doing a getaway and, and, and renewing yourself, but sleep in and of itself. I, I just assume not. If I could have a pill, I would do that. So I'm not excited. And I don't know if that's just me. I tend to wonder, is it, is it a big popular issue out there? Who wants to talk about sleep? Well, no, I, I think culturally it's still, ah, you can sleep when you're dead. You know, I got stuff to do and I'm strong enough. I can yeah. handle it. And even if you recognize the value of sleep, the priority of, of the urgent thing that's in front of you for, for people who are doers is still going to, you know, say, well, it's got to get done whatever the thing is. So I think culturally we still live in a, in a world where we might verbally value sleep, but, but action wise, we really don't. Well, and, and I, at night, I mean, I'm not looking forward to going to sleep. I really, well, I am now somewhat because I get tired and I just want to go to sleep and I know that it'll help my, my morning. But in the moment, I just as soon eat cheesecake and watch a show. And just like my kids do, I just, I don't know. Do I really want to go to sleep? I just get tired. I mean, I authentically get tired and I don't want to feel bad the next day. I am sleeping more than ever. So I'm averaging eight and a half now. Holy moly. Yeah. Wow. Eight, eight, For how, since COVID? Uh, ish since ish. March or so. Yeah. I mean, I think I grew into it, but now yeah. I am and I'm just, I'm not setting an alarm and that's just, and you just wake up mm -hmm. and are ready to go to bed in the evening. And so I'm saying right now, my body naturally wants to sleep eight and a half hours. Now we could say, or could we say I'm doing things that maybe are not perfect. So my body is naturally needing that much time to recover that if I was living in X way, it could recover in quicker time. That's yeah. good. That is conjecture, and I don't think we'll ever honestly know it. And even once you did know that, tomorrow you'll be a day older, and everything's going to change, yeah. and you might need a little bit more, a little bit less. But I'm impressed. I mean, eight and a half hours, that's pretty good. What? I guess. I guess. Or should I feel guilty? Maybe you need nine. Well, maybe I need nine, <laughs> or maybe I should be able to be okay on less. I don't know. But that, right now, no. that's where I, I am, and I cannot remember... Uh, the last time that I had that middle of the day slump or I was just sitting there trying to work and I can't think. So I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, well, and when I said that's pretty good and I would say what I'm impressed with on you is that the waking up without an alarm, yeah. I, I think that's something. And, and maybe there are just people who need an alarm to wake up or, or, or I am one of those. I've never been a able to wake up early without the alarm kind of a person on Saturday or Sunday morning. If I'm sleeping in and I just let it go, I'll tend to sleep longer. And I think I've, I used to, I don't know. I think it's, I hope it's circadian yeah, rhythm. That's and what that, I'm saying. I, I, especially if it's been for a few months now that you could probably look and rely on that and say, I'm an eight and a half hour guy and I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Now I'm not getting up as early as I was, you know, kind of the 5 a.m., the Robin Sharma mm -hmm. 5 a.m. club, the Hal Elrod. But I wonder, you know, is it not so much the focus on getting up 
at that time or so early, we do, do we do that based on the fact that most of our cultural schedule with school and work starts at this time. So if you're going to have time, you got to get up that early because I'm not getting up that early. I'm not getting up before, uh, very rarely before six. So I'm sleeping later and sometimes it'll be, you know, six 30 or something like that. But then I'm going ahead and taking my time and I do my devotions and I have time and I, well, I, you know, I switch most of the time I'm exercising in the middle of the day now, so I don't have to do that first thing in the morning. Yada, yada. Either way, I'm looking at it and I'm just the biggest thing, just like I have in the intro of this show is saying, when I go to bed, I want to be like my phone. I plug it in. And when I wake up, it's charged. That's what I expect. I don't want to come down and say, man, it's plugged in all night and it's only at 65% or, or, you know, plug it in and it doesn't start charging until two hours before. There so, you go. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. And that that's in the clinic. That's what I will hear people say is I seem to be sleeping X, Y, Z hours. It ought, it was long enough or it ought to be long enough. And now I'm not waking up refreshed. I'm, I'm waking up tired. It takes me longer to wake up. I need the cup of coffee. I don't enjoy it. I need it. And then maybe an extra one. And then I hit the afternoon slump. And I use that word bonk a lot. Everybody yeah. kind of knows what that means where you're just going along and hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, my afternoon bonk hits at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And lasts all day long. And then, strangely enough, when it's 9 p.m., I'm, I'm awake. And now I can't fall asleep. So we can talk about some of those sleep issues that people have. But the fact that... You don't have it. You don't recognize it. You're now at eight hours plus. I would say I don't ever have it either. The kids go to school a little bit later. So yeah. my schedule shifted over and my average is nearing seven and a half, which is really good. I was, you put me to shame, maybe if that's well, what our I, bodies but need. You, but I know that's, that's been your life trajectory, especially as a doctor. I mean, you guys are it, worse. It was much worse. From med right. school on. And, and how much of my burden now as an older person is related to 30 years of that. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. And it's conjecture, but I, I do feel pretty good on the seven and a half and I don't ever hit the bonk. I look forward to going to bed. I'm, you know, trying to turn the lights out by 10 and, uh, and I look forward to going to bed because you got me addicted on, to reading on the, on the books. really good books. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm eager to see what happens in the next chapter. And if I wait too long, I'm too tired to read any. So, yeah, I'm usually, yeah, nine o'clock. I'm think actually I'm putting, you know, one of the kids to bed sometimes around eight and I think I could fall asleep right now. And I don't want to do that. There, there is. So we're beyond reading to the kids now, but it was amazing. Marcy and I would both say, cause you would start reading at eight or, or something. And it's just amazingly how asleep, sleepy I would get. And, and then it's like, I am ready to go to bed now. But then of course you got to go do the dishes and whatever. Um, and that, I think, is part of the problem that people are experiencing out there, that for most of human history, when the sun goes down, that's the beginning phase yeah. of preparing for bed. And for so many of us now, it's the beginning of TV and the opposite signals going into our eyeballs and brains that signal awakeness and the subtle perception of confusion even that your brain is like wait a minute i thought we were getting ready to go to bed and but now i hear these lights are are coming on um and it it does so now we are in a we're in multiple pandemics it it would be interesting to take you know a study group of 100 people on an island with no electronics no lights you can have candles and see what they would do without electronics without screens without lights electronic light 
I think we would just, it's dark, sit around the campfire a little bit and man, I'm tired. And then the sun Good. comes up and you don't have blocking shades and you just wake up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it has, it has been for such a long period of time until, uh, as some people say, just yesterday in, in a long-term perspective, just a few decades of consistent, uh, um, fake light, if we can call it that going in and not only going in, but then, you know, the messages, meaning what, what your brain is thinking about and how we are training it. And so this is all going to reach back to the shows that we've done before on brain training and all of those kind of things. And so sleep and the epidemic of sleep disturbance, um, sleep apnea, whatever nuances you want to put on that, that are, that are prior to actual diagnoses when we talk about snoring and mouth breathing and, and all those kind of things. Uh, what I will ask people in the clinic is, and we alluded to it earlier, uh, how's your sleep? And they'll say, Oh, usually fine. And then when I start to ask questions, it's not as fine as they think they are, or the average amount of sleep is way low. And they'll say, you know, six or seven. And then, and oftentimes people can't fall asleep or they can't stay asleep or they wake up unrefreshed. Yeah. Or, or well, and then, you know, the other one, I guess, and uh, an, an, maybe a fourth one is also just the person who is willpower and they, you know, it's kind of the military thing. You get up at five and you stay up till midnight and you just turn it out. And it's amazing how the body adjusts, how the body will survive and Copes. do that at, as you say, then until it can't, or until you start seeing the manifestation of something. And some people are going to be able to endure that seemingly better than others, but I'm still going to be concerned. I mean, if somebody's flying my commercial plane and they have learned how to do that and they're there with their five hours of sleep a night with their cup of coffee and they've been doing it day in and day out, I don't, am I incorrect in believing that there's no way they can be at full capacity or maybe they can be for a certain time until they can't, but I want somebody who my, my surgeon, I don't want that surgeon. I want the one <laughs> right. who got yeah. nine hours of sleep and, and yet, but that's what we do. And so my wondering is even if we were the person who's hearing this, who's living on five hours of sleep a night and they've been churning that out and they they're high performing, are they performing as high as they can or is it possible that they could be, but they probably won't be for as long as they could? One or the Absolutely. Other? So the, the medical answer to those questions are it is incontrovertible and it is measurable what sleep deprivation does to the human body. So even if you are a higher performer, you're less high performing than you would have been. We know that. And you're less high performing for as long as you could be performing. And so you and I at 52 and 49 are saying, hey, we want another half a century of performance. And therefore, we have to sacrifice something now in order to go to bed on time, yeah. in order to be the kind of people who can effectively be working at 70 or 80, and, and because we have things we want to do. Our culture, again, is planning on retiring and relaxing on those days. So, so now, we're going to turn and burn. And we're going to produce, and, and, and in fact, our economy is set up that way. Mm. You mentioned the military. The military is set up where they, they have you for 20 years. They're going to churn and burn harder. And you have the Jocko guys who are saying, I get up at 432 because I do, and I will. And I'm going to go to bed on, well, whenever he went to bed. But he didn't go to bed on time when he was a SEAL. And, but those guys are also taught sleep is a weapon. So if you don't sleep, you're missing one of your weapons. Hmm. 
Now, granted, on a campaign, you might be awake for 72 hours in a row, but during training times, at least nowadays, the recognition of it is there, but it's also talked about, but oh, by the way, go ahead and get your stuff done. Yeah. It's, 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 and having been in the military for 10 years, it is the idea of, yeah, 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 no sleep is good. Go to bed on time, but get your stuff done and get up on time because we're going to start and all of that. So our world, then that's the cultural waters that we're swimming in might even begin speaking to the value of sleep and everybody's aware of screens and all of that, but screens aren't going away and they're only gaining more and more of our attention, more and more of our time. And so it now becomes what you said at the very outset, ugh, really? It, it feels so bland. It does, well, and I was thinking thankless too. It's kind of the you know, cliche of parenting is a thankless job, whatever. Nobody comes along, gives you kudos for that. Nobody's going to come along and I'm not going to get high fives for sleeping eight and a half hours of sleep. I get high fives for what I do. That's right. And I can do more theoretically if I sleep less though, there's an argument too as well. So if I sleep six hours a night and I've got that much extra time, do I really accomplish more than if I get sleep and I am at full tilt boogie and I work smart and more efficiently. I mean, that's an argument we can make and all day long, it's really difficult this, to, right. to measure. I mean, for me, I know, and I read this somewhere that one of the first things to go with lack of sleep is creative thinking and critical thinking skills. And I would think about that, you know, making decisions. And I also think about uh, just tolerance and patience are the things that I lack like with our kids at night I, when we have nothing. I, I was going to say, Kevin, that when sleep shrinks up, and it's going to take a wise person to admit this, the first thing that goes out is not your creativity and critical thinking at work. It's creativity with your kids. Hmm. Like we've all, you know, been playing house before. And if I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, playing house is easier than if I'm exhausted and I just don't want to do that. And, and, and so I think our, our families suffer first because especially on more on the male yeah. side and, and actually, and we've spoken to women and, and if the buck stops with them in the families, which culturally is the waters that we're swimming in, it's unfortunate and, and they suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would, I would look at you know, husbands and fathers and say, you know, step up to the table and turn the TV off and go to bed on time mm-hmm. for the sake of your family and also your work and, and those kind of things. And that's very hard. I, I'm just I'm thinking of my own family and how hard that is. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't love it just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN and depending on the model you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. 
exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. It, it is. It's going back to the giving up the good for the great. And I, if I'm going to get, yeah. for me, if I'm going to get eight and a half hours of sleep, what am I not going to do? Yeah. Um, possibly again, you know, maybe, hopefully I can work smart and try to get as much done. I don't feel like I'm lacking as much. Actually, probably the thing that I miss out on is the <clears throat> American right, <clears throat> excuse me, of entertainment. I was going to say what you're giving up is that last little bit of ESPN or Mm-hmm. Now that, and in your family, what you're probably honestly giving up though, is the, your teenagers and 20 year olds late night conversations. It, it, it is. There's almost another world that happens. A lot of times I go to bed, I take little ones go, I, a lot of times I go to bed with the little ones <laughs> and then, and then Terry, my wife, she's up with she's the other with ones, the big ones. And then I hear the next day about whatever they talked about. <laughs> but then generally, I mean, generally, almost always she's going to sleep in. Yeah, one, two more hours later in the morning when one of us is going to take the little ones 
to school early. And, you know, I'm usually up anyways and ready to do that. So it's not a, it's like a sacrifice, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's gotta so be you, done. You're right. Cause there used to be the time when I felt like, my gosh, I gotta, I, I'm going to be up. I want to be up for the little ones and I want to stay up with the late ones, but what's going to give then? And that's going to be my sleep, my exercise, my morning time. And then your tolerance, your creativity and yeah. your effectiveness. Yeah. So if we look at this and say, what are the primary things you say, what wrecks our sleep? It's really easy to say, well, everything, uh, of course. But what are the primary, if we have to pick the front running things that, so if I, right now it's, what time is it? 12 o'clock lunchtime. If I am going to get good sleep tonight, I mean, we'd say it started, you know, years ago, a month ago, a week ago, right. I know. But if I'm going to get good sleep, the question is, how do I prepare myself to get quality sleep tonight? Let's just say it began today. And I think what's the main thing that wrecks it is our, the cultural waters we swim in where we have the mindset that sleep is the last thing that you do. So one, one very, reco- well, and I like that. And it may be semantics. It's what I do to, to recover from, from today today. instead of prepare for tomorrow. That's what I was and going. And you've got, well, I know you were, but that's, it's, I, I, it's so easy to say, well, it's semantics either way. So for it's some a reason it makes, I know it's, it makes a difference to me. You got me thinking about it differently to where now I, I hold, if I'm just blah, going into bed to recover from today, I just, I don't think about it as much as going, no, I'm preparing. This okay. Is, so let's, let's, cause that's new for them. I think, right. For our listeners, we may have mentioned it before, but I'm still very aware of it. So that, that is going to be the recommendation to, to switch your mindset. And all of us think, you know, what's the last thing you do during the day? And everybody says, go to bed. And I would say, okay, that is our American cultural mindset, but let's shift it over. And other cultures throughout the centuries have had this mindset, which is the last, the, the first thing that you do to start the day is go to bed and you build your energy in preparation for the day that is coming. And so the culture that you and I are aware of, that historical Jewish culture where the end of the day is sundown, 6 p.m., meaning, and nobody thinks about it this way, but meaning the very first thing you do on the new day is go to bed, is, ra- is kind of wrap up the day with your nighttime stuff that you would say to your family and, and sort of say your prayers and that kind of thing. And then you begin the next day with this preparation, like, okay, I want to get my sleep in order so that tomorrow I have the kind of tolerance and wherewithal yeah. and kindness and gentleness that I need for, for my kids and my family. And then, oh yeah, I'm also going to go to work and, and all of that. And that, for you and I, it's been years of trying to think that way and become aware of it to where, like I was saying before, I get antsy if we're in the nines, 9 p.m.s, and we haven't started, you know, well, heading I, to bed. I do too. And you started that, uh, you were the catalyst for that for me with guarding my morning time. If I'm going to get up. That's right. If, you, that, if the morning is valuable, yeah, that's going to mean your bedtime. Cause you took me back. It was back when the kids schedule was more solid with school right. and stuff. And so we're going to leave the house at whatever it was, seven fifteen or something like that. If I'm going to get up in the morning and that's back when I was exercising in the morning too, if I'm going to have my personal time back and then it was five fifteen or, yeah. or, or whatever, if I'm going to do that, I, and I know I don't function well on little sleep. And then I got to redo my whole evening. Whole evening it, it is yeah. funny going back to the analogy of charging the phone in. Cause when I think about charging the phone in my literal natural mental mindset is I'm plugging it in so that 
when I grab it in the morning, it is fully charged to last the whole day. Right. Uh, but I wasn't doing that with myself. So now if I do that and come over here and it makes me think about what am I eating that's going to help or hurt my sleep, which I feel, I mean, just to go to a tangible one for me, I feel like that's paramount. Maybe I give it too much credit as far as what I eat that in the evening is beginning the planning of your bedtime of my bedtime that is going to have more impact on my sleep than anything as we look at, you know, food, stress. Well, you asked, what's the top priority yeah. of, of that? And I think food is going to be down the list. Really? Yeah. Compared to others. Because okay. number one is the TV. I mean, TV is number, uh, culturally, not in your house, but culturally. But of wrecking my sleep. So if I have the opportunity to charge myself, I'm going to lay down, plug in, that you're going to put screen as more detrimental to my Long-term longevity. So I'm thinking time and decades and all okay. of that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely put historically TV time. So people would say to me, and if you're you know, 50 years old or, or older, then people would say, I go to bed with Johnny Carson. Right. You watch the news, watch Johnny Carson go to bed. And I'd be like, and I would, if I insinuated to them that part of the problem with their insomnia, whether it's can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, wake up unrefreshed, is the fact that they go to bed with Johnny Carson. And they would say, no, 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 no. I've been doing that for 30 years. That can't have anything to do with it because this problem is new, which is exactly like the guy over here. If I say, well, the reason you have lung cancer is because you've been smoking. He said, no, 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 no. I smoke a pack a day for the last 40 years. I never once had cancer. (laughs) It's brand new. Right, right, right. So the biggest, if you take the big picture thing is screens. And now I would say the phone is even worse than TV. Well, I was going to ask that. So is there literal, you know, this stuff, is there literal reality of, if we look right here, <laughs> my phone right here, two inches from my face. Now I got my laptop. You, can't you, see you it got two screens over there, <laughs> one here <laughs> and then one up and then one up there. But, but if you look at the TV, I mean, I'm probably in, in our living room, I'm probably sitting 15 feet away. I sit further back. Yeah. That's you guys. I would say more than half the amount of people listening to this have a TV in their bedroom. And it's one of the last things that they do before they say, okay, I'm going to go to, is check the news, check ESPN, just kind of see what's on. Well, so how much relevance does proximity size of the screen? Zero. That's an old wives tale. Yeah. Come on. If I'm I'm doing this. Yeah. No. Uh, Well, now with the awareness of blue light, I don't know if I can go to zero. But it is one of, you know, your parents telling you, you're sitting too close to the TV. You're going to ruin your eye. That's, that's, That's a falseness. Okay. But... With blue light and the, you know, the old cathode rays, and now we have these new kinds of, of TVs, and what's the impact? I honestly don't know about the proximity. It, it, okay. The reason that the phones are worse is not the proximity. It's because of the, the dopamine hit, the swipe, the what's next, what's next, and then just turn your brain off of the feel good of what's next. So what do you have? So you've got literal negative effects of blue light. Now, now you're saying you've got the dopamine, anxiety, whatever from social media, or, or whatever. Really, just think of it as stimulation. Stim- okay, stim- okay, yeah. Which could relate to if you're watching Johnny Carson and it makes you laugh, that may not be as harmful as if you're watching a horror flick or an adventure thing that yeah, has you true. all ramped up. True. So we're looking at the content, the stimulus yeah. level, and the blue light. Okay, so just to 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 hit that though. What do you, where do you feel like, so should you stop at 30 minutes before? No, okay, great. Because people are going to say, okay, what, what should it be? And I would say, and this is how we're raising our kids, minimum 
for people who don't already have insomnia or something going on. Because whatever you say the minimum is what everybody's going to take, so watch out. I know. Minimum is an hour. Okay. And and for most listeners out there, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't do that. It's, it's your phones. So I think it's a great habit is, you know, for sure don't have your phone in the bedroom. And even more so is plug that phone in on the family station or whatever yeah. outside of the hearing distance and networking and whatever to so that it's less distracting in the you know dinner time like hey it's dinner time everybody come in for dinner now it's family it's evening it's and and for me and we told our kids look i i am on call always i'm my phone goes here y'all's phone goes here and that's my right as a parent and a prerogative and whatever else the way you, you people set up their family but it's off i don't check it don't swing by and check it or whatever else i yeah. mean maybe the weather or whatever but it's not a and i'm very comfortable with where we are right now that i can unplug my head from the phone and it's done yeah. and i think that is a great habit for people to get into if you're not in that it's habit, great unless i text you and then i want a response you need a special ding for me <laughs> <laughs> correct your wife and me <laughs> but i if people are looking to set the mark I would say an hour. And so especially your teenagers, you know, just coach them and, and create the line of an hour. There's no phone in the bedroom and no TV in the bedroom. And it's an, it's an hour and just give your brain some space is great. Yeah, which we do. We have, I have my timer go off and I actually go around with a basket, Collect take, <laughs> take the phones and I actually take them upstairs into our room on a airplane mode. Mm -hmm. And then Technically, it happens half the time. The Wi-Fi is turned off and it's off at night. You know, I mean, there's a lot of nights where I don't watch anything on a screen and I don't, my phone's over, it's the music player for the house. So I read a book and, you know, ultimately go to bed. So it's been plenty of time on the nights where we do watch something. I'll usually watch until, man, I'm ready to go to bed. I'll go and try to read, but I bet I don't make it 30 minutes. Between. Me too. On on the movie watching nights yeah. that there's going to be, I'm tired and those kind of things. And if those are the weekends and they're the intermixed, interspersed, okay, it's, it's not the day in and day out of this, you know, these hard things that we're talking about of... So we're back at, to cake. It's not bad if you have it if on your once in a while, but not every day. Okay, so screens, top of the list. I didn't know. Okay, so if food's not next, what is? Uh, okay, so... Thinking about sleep and then coming back down and saying, you know, screens and that kind of thing. So the the next thing that I would put in that list, food's going to be third, but it's your, um, it, and this is kind of an intangible, but it's the switch, the, f the flip the switch mindset that you and I have worked really hard to train in at the nine o'clock. Uh, we both have wives that are night owls and in college and grad school and all that kind of stuff, a lot of stuff happens at night. So all of us are in training this do things at night mentality. And if now there are genetic night owls, but they're the, they're, they're less. So those people are out there and most of us have trained in because all children, you know, around eight o'clock at night, they're clearly tired and they they might be wound up or whatever, but they're ready for bed and they need to be trained in to, you know, go to bed, but they are also naturally built that way. Most of them. So it's this, 
It's the mental mindset of the switch, flip the switch, that then prevents people to begin the process, the habit, the entrainment of go to bed. That then, and people will then tell me, I, I just can't fall asleep, or I just can't go to bed, or I just lay there and way awake. And I'll be like, well, you've trained yourself to do that. Now you have to untrain yourself mm-hmm. to do that. If you, like we said, value the morning time, you don't want to, it d- depend. Now, if you don't value the morning time and you like to get up at 7.55 to get to work by 8, keep doing it. But it's a really Well, and you're hard- saying you're saying 9 o'clock. So whatever your schedule is, you're saying if bedtime is here, if bedtime is at 9 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 12 o'clock, whatever. I, I think you've got to have that mindset of one hour ahead of time. Yeah. You click the switch. Well, and I just thought setting the stage. Okay. Uh, which my... <laughs> you set the stage. I set the stage. So I am I I authentically do that at night. I mean, I love... I hate curtains. I hate shades. I love bright light. But at night then, I don't like the lights. So I want dim lights. Dim lights. Candles. Lamp lights. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what uh-huh. we do. So as soon as dinner's over, it's... Uh, and now I've got the... Especially the older boys are into this. They want the lights off. Get the lights off and just have the lamps on. Uh if there's music playing, I, I don't have Van Halen. It's not like Nora Jones. Not, it's Nora, exactly. <laughs> it's Amos Lee. It's, you know, it's mellow stuff uh, playing to set that stage and have that ambiance of rest, of slow. Yeah. I mean, I can't I, imagine having, you know, watching NASCAR at 11 o'clock at night and then trying to go to bed. I just. And we're, I. We're guilty of that, like we're Kansas City Chiefs fans, and we'll. I hate watching it real time, so it's always recorded, and that might, and that'll go long and late, and we're watching football or we're watching something or some movie that's a not every night, but not every night, and Monday through Thursday, kind of the regular run of the mill nights. Uh, we set the stage, and nine o'clock hits, and it sets sets the stage of. And we're big on reading, so go to bed with enough time so that you get to read. And the kids, thankfully, all like to do that. And they're tired and they're ready to go, so we're not pushing really hard even later that they get up. So they're kind of wanting to stay up a little late because they can sleep in. And so we're that's part of our COVID pressure of trying to jumble around that. If you have multiple setting the stage time periods for multiple sets of people, that makes it hard. You know, it's interesting. I told the boys this because, you know, I, I have a hard time enforcing, you know, go to bed right now, but you know, they're going to have to get up now at whatever time to go to bed. I mean, to go to school. And I told them it was a couple of weeks ago. And we just talked about sleep. I said, guys, you, you know, I, one of you was up really late. I don't know who it was. And, and I don't want to, you know, come down on you, but ultimately, you know, this affects you. It affects your mood. It affects your health. It affects your, so to some degree, if you're going to stay up late, and I said it with more respectfully, this is going to sound, but in essence, I'm saying, don't come complaining to me about whatever, about, oh, I'm having a hard time doing my homework or I, you know, I don't feel well or whatever. It's, well, if you're getting seven hours of sleep a night at 14 years old, okay. And it, I think that might've resonated with them more than anything. And I wasn't a jerk about it, but I said, guys, you know, if you're telling me about this eight complaint, irritation, whatever, how could you not? You guys understand this. Right. Sleep. You're choosing to do this. So if you choose to do that, okay. But this is going to be the fallout of it. And let's call a spade a spade. So just. That's, and so, Kevin, I would, I would highlight that. And, and your kids are kind of a year. Or the high school ones are a year ahead of where we are. Yeah. And when I come down, it 
it, it comes down more as a rule because the, the emotional maturity to accept that is like, all right, yeah, I see that if I, if I don't do it the right way here, I'm going to have a consequence on the other side. And, and, and where we are, I think it's like, well, I'll, I, that's okay. I'll put up with the consequences, you know, cause it's not such a big deal to me if I don't make an A, but it's only a big deal to you, dad. Yeah. So, so where we are, the borders are still in place and they, they're very strict when they're four years old and less strict over here at, at, in the early teenage years. But by 18, theoretically adults need to go off and manage themselves. And now we're talking to a lot of adults out there. And I would say most adults don't, don't have this level of maturity. It feels bad to say, I have to go to bed on time and how boring and how bland. And you know, what's the big deal about sleep anyway, if I'm doing fine, I'm doing, that might be okay for everybody else, but I'm okay on six and a half hours of sleep at night. Yeah. And we're back to, well, you are until you aren't. And the, and if you, are wise enough to listen to studies and science. And that's what we said at the beginning is that it's, it's incontrovertible that most people need to be around more than seven hours of actual sleep time, not eight or nine being the average, but I would say eight hours in the bed is a good rule of thumb over seven hours of actual sleep is a good rule of thumb, some more, some less, but that's a good rule of thumb, recognizing the danger and the damage of, of screens right before bed, of not setting the stage right before bed. And then we get to, should you eat right before bed? I would say no. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What should you eat at and all? I, I told you, because uh, that is the one that I, maybe I give it too much focus, but I'm just so aware of what I, maybe because I'm, man, I'm just, I'm driven by my taste buds and my appetite. My God is your belly. My God is so <laughs> often my belly and looking at what I eat and knowing, man, it can just, you know, I can track it a lot of times. I told you last week I had, um, I think white rice specifically oh, yeah. uh-huh. really messes me up maybe more so than somebody else. And we've all got our individual propensities as we talk about all the time that white rice, it's a simple carb, right? Sure. I mean, it's just yeah. a, and it messes. I, and I, and I, I can usually go to sleep pretty quick. I'm always, I'm, I really ever don't go to sleep pretty quick, but then but I you're can, the stay asleep guy. Well, yeah, because I can wake up. I'll wake up two hours later and maybe I got to pee or something like that. And then I just, my mind's going nuts. Right. And I can watch and I just, and I can't go to sleep. I, it happened last night and I, we watched the show and I imbibed, I ate. So here's why. So we can explain that. And a lot of people will actually uh, know about this uh, and they might not know why, but that I, I fall, I fall asleep just fine. But if I happen to wake up for whatever reason at you know, one, two, three o'clock, then I, my mind starts to go and I just doze and I'm restless the rest of the night. And one of the main reasons why is that our dinner times tend to be carb heavy. And so then you get the insulin spike, right? So around, if you eat at six or seven and you get that insulin spike. And so then around, 
10 or 11 or 12, depending upon people and, and whatever. Now you've got an, uh, or you, your insulin spikes. And so your carbohydrate is going to plummet. And so just like people get the cravings around 10 a.m. after breakfast and that's the snack. What if subconsciously and underneath your brain's awareness, you have this craving mm-hmm. that's around 1 or 2 or 3 a.m. And you happen to wake up because you just rolled over or you need to go to the bathroom or whatever. And, and that's an actual normal time for a partial wake up, not a wake up into consciousness. But in, in the sleep cycles, there is a reset around 1 or 2 a.m. about. But if your cortisol level has been bumped just a little bit because there's a little bit of an awareness of the body that says, wow, we're having a a glucose plummet, then that'll spike the cortisol. And the brain is now in a, in a milieu, in a context where the brain is like, okay, we, we don't go to bed when we're a little bit nervous about this. And in fact, historically, what's one of the things that people do if they say, oh, I can't sleep. I go to shuffle down to the kitchen and I just get a glass of warm milk or something. And you reset the stage all over again to be needing to eat in the middle of the night. And that's exactly what we have in our culture where people eat every two, three, four hours constantly. And now we're adding in a not uncommon 2 a.m. snack. Yeah. And, and, and it's just the habit. Then I, I'm afraid of something like that, that my body's now going to adjust thinking that I'm going to get up and whether it's eat or read or whatever you do to deal with being up that you shouldn't be up anyways. And, and now you've created right. this habit. And, and the more you do it, the more you do the it. The more you do it, yeah. So, so if we talk about, so we talked about screens, we talked about the setting the stage. And then one last thing I would say is the whole concept of sleep hygiene Have you ever heard that referred to as that? So sleep hygiene, hygiene means, you know, clean and whatever else. And in this context, it means the bigger picture of setting the stage. So sleep begins early. We already, we already said that, that your mindset. So one of the best things for regular sleep is regular exercise. So if you're not exercising most days per week, will that impact your sleep and sleep quality? Yes. So if you want better sleep, should you exercise every day? Yes. And if you sleep better and more effectively, will you have more energy for exercise? Yes. Um, is there probably a cutoff time of yes. should an exercise? So if you are a not night owl, if you sometimes have trouble falling asleep, then one of the things to really focus in on is exercise earlier. So Marcy is a night owl. So we, from time immemorial, I've hated morning exercise. So our exercise time is kind of the 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. window of somewhere around in there. And, and that's when we do that. And that feels pretty good. And we don't ever have trouble falling asleep. But people just have to pay attention to themselves. But lack of exercise over time is a, is a ding on your sleep and sleep quality. Yeah. Uh, light. Right. So now we live wherever you live in the world. And if you live in the city and things like that, we all have, and I'm noticing it now, Marcy got one of these uh, things that plugs in that dispenses some of the uh, essential oils, but has the light on it. Oh yeah. And and it's just so, if I'm waking up in the morning by myself, I'm like, that is so bright. Uh, This itty bitty thing. Electrical tape. I, I, I use those stupid lights. But the, the, the spray thing comes out. It's a round light and the sprayer is right in between oh, it. Okay. I'm like, I can't, how am I going to cover I that one know. up? So, um, the dishwasher has a done light. So we always wash the dishes at night. The done light is so bright. It goes in through our door and it lights up our room. Holy smokes. 
So all of the, to, to pay attention to that and people are like, really? And the baby monitors and this and that and the other, a phone oh light. Oh gosh, yeah. So it really does matter. Ambient light is a signal. And of course, what about people in the old days and stars and things like that? Yes, but there's always seasons of the stars being more or less, of, of the moon being more or less. And there was a time of pitch black, and we hardly ever have that time anymore. So, Well, and even the Native Americans had a teepee. I mean, they could have stayed out in the open, but I assume maybe it was for that. Keep out the there light, was always the shelter. The yeah. That's right. So, so that's one thing to think about in, in sleep hygiene is exercise consistency and light consistency that is a part of the circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm impacts so much more than what we had thought about in the past. And the guy who found it and really uh, who found the connection to circadian rhythm to nearly every system of the body, he got the Nobel Prize sometime in the 2000s. I can't remember, but we, we just, we poo-poo that. Like, oh yeah, you know, um, well, the, the, it's coming up, the, our time change. Yeah. That destroys sleep hygiene. That's such a dumb idea when it comes to physiology. Benjamin Franklin did it. You know, it might have saved some candles, but physiologically, it really does harm. And are we ever going to change that? Who knows? But like, I had a patient just the other day. She's like, right when I get scheduled, it's going to change again. And so to those people, as a part of your sleep hygiene, I would put a calendar reminder on your phone and begin your own bedtime incremental clock of 15 minutes of change, mm-hmm. like the month prior. Oh, yeah. So that there's not this jarring change. Yeah. That's... For me, it doesn't bother me, and I don't get jet lag and whatever, and so that's probably genetic, and people can shift their melatonin levels I've over. I've not and... been bothered too much by it either. What about uh, sound? Uh, so sound and white noise and those kind of things. So there is evidence that white noise is good. And, and, and this again, I, is, I mean, I'm asking, we, we have a big family. And so with, yeah, people, all the noise. Diff- yeah. So right. we always have, so we have a white noise. I try to keep it as low as we can, uh, you know, not super high volume, but keep it low, but enough. Otherwise I do struggle with being the light sleeper that hears everything. Then so sound is going to be a, a good thing yeah. for you. We do sound. We do a fan. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think it, yeah. And we actually do it kind of on a louder volume for that very reason. Because Marcy and I are getting up and going to bed at different times. So, yeah. so white noise is part of that sleep hygiene. Another big one, I, I should have put this kind of high up on that. Temperature makes a difference. Uh-huh. And, and so here's things for people to remember. You must warm up to fall asleep and then cool down to stay asleep. So, so you're, if your hands and feet are cold, you won't fall asleep. So now this, and it's so interesting and you can hear my, my tone go up a little bit. This is related to thyroid. So this is related to the, the, and all hormones speak to each other and sleep is also hormonally related. That is what we're talking about. Here's the neurotransmitters and hormone signals of sleep. You've got to set the stage. One of the settings of the stage is temperature. So cooler in the evenings is clearly better. Now, if you've got, you know, cold natured people out there and they're so cold and they just got to warm up, I'd say, yes, warm up, but don't make it to where you have to wake up to throw off the covers at night and have that that's sleep disruptive. So do plan bedtime in such a way where your, your extremities are warm and you want your core cooler. So... 
So you do need to go to bed in a way that your hands and feet can be warm or you will have to, you will delay sleep so that they can warm up and then your core wants to be able to cool down. And so some of the sleep wearables and things like that are looking at body temperature and you should drop down as a, as a part of quality of sleep. Some of the sleep technology stuff about uh, like the chili pad is designed to keep your core cooler uh, during the night that will enhance uh, your quality of sleep and the yeah. ratios of deep and light and those yeah, kind of things. Yeah, we're weird with that. Obviously, you know, my house is at 9,200 feet and our bedroom is the furthest away from any heat source. So it's always cold. I always go to bed, pull everything up over me, get warm, I guess pretty quickly fall asleep. Probably half the time, maybe not quite, 25% of the time at least, if not more, I will wake up and be warm enough that I'll throw the top comforter off me. Because you need it to warm up at night, right? At least quicker, yeah. I mean, I love snuggling. I I love going to bed chilly like that. And and that is good. Yeah. Uh As long as your hands and feet. But right, that first few minutes. And everybody kind of knows, oh my gosh, I'm so cold. I'm going to have to put socks on or get up and turn the hot water on or something like that. And I would say, yes, do that. That actually helps. So that, and then get back in there, let your core warm up. Uh, but I also find that I find that I burn hotter like that and get warm if I've eaten closer to bedtime. Uh, absolutely. So now we can talk about the food piece and what you eat and when you eat. Yeah. And it is better in general for people to go to bed empty. So Which, uh, <laughs> say that again. It's just our whole culture. And 99% of the people listening, including me and you. Including me. Oh, oh my gosh. Right. And we had the, Dr. Dale Bredesen on a couple of times ago and his, you know, his 12, three plan or whatever else seen. And the three was go to, you know, eat at least three hours prior to when you go to bed. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, we are not, which, we which have, gets back to screens too. Cause I, absolutely. What I found, if I'm sitting there reading a book for the evening, I'm I, not eating hardly ever, but if I'm on a screen, I'm eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yep. well, and so on that, you know, I mean, so here we are. So best case would be not three hours before, or at least two hours or, or whatever from a time standpoint. Okay, but let's. But if you're going to, because you okay, know, if you're I, going I got to, you. if you're going to, and, and that's kind of like where I think both of our families are. Say at least an hour. Give yourself an hour of awakeness and uprightness, and and uh, you know, so that the food can get out of your stomach before you lay down. And and again, if you've already exercised that day, your metabolism is faster. It's going to push through that food a little bit faster, and all of these interrelated, interconnected things. So food and when you eat the earlier the better and and like the other day somebody said we just ate we were going to have dessert and then they said well let's watch a little bit more of our movie and then have dessert later and i was like ah no let's just go ahead and get it in there now get so we can get it, so you, you can deal with the sugar <laughs> yeah right. totally I, uh, we do the same thing and, and so so i think that's a an okay way to go and there's another hour of the movie left over where you're you're kind of watching it and of course that can't be every night what about the what? And so if people ask all the time, you know, what's the best diet? We, we, we've talked about that on the show. There is no best diet. But if you were going to kind of design it, the middle of the day meal being a little bit bigger and the end of the day meal being a little bit smaller. And you and I don't do breakfast anymore, but we do and the we, opposite of that. I know. Totally. Uh, no, no breakfast. Uh, a lighter lunch. Is lunch just, and then dinner. And then a big old dinner. Yeah. And and I think that's part of your sleep food yeah. wreckage. Then it, but then it matters, okay, what is the dinner? What's and the then dinner? what's the dinner? Yeah, if and that's where if it's less carby, 
more of your high veggie. So, so just, just lay out. I mean, the worst, just so we, we, we always think that everybody should know this, but worst is going to be a big dinner uh, of simple carbs, rice, potatoes, corn, corn. Yeah. Um, gosh, what, what's another, is there any other front runner? Those are probably those runners. would be the big. I mean, you could do so. I'm start, start, start. Yeah, I talked about you know white rice. I do better with, uh, which we almost always do. We just I don't know how we why we had white white rice, um, just brown rice, you mm-hmm. know, long grain, wild it'll, rice. It'll slow, that'll slow down that glucose insulin response. Sweet potatoes, uh, better than we'll potatoes. Do better than potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Looking at that, and, and then of course veggies go nuts. As many um, as you want. We'll never decrease the amount of broccoli that you eat. I don't think generally, I mean, obviously you can overeat anything, but meat is usually probably not going to be a, a bad one as far as your From a sleep perspective, I mean, some people, if they, because they, people call meat heavy eating and like well, the digestion and, and things like that. I do that too, but it matters down? how much I eat. If I eat a three right, ounces, if you over Overeating anything where you're over full is always going to be like, a, yeah. you know, and even then I'd say, well, delay your bedtime. Maybe yeah. right, like it's which, which one's worse there to try to go to bed earlier to to stay on track or to deal with indigestion or something like that because you've overeaten. So I'd say, well, don't overeat, and if you do and it's the weekend, maybe go to bed a little bit later. Okay, then add beverages on that. So well, got- okay, so, so so yeah, a lot of people have to get up to pee, and I look at Kevin, I'd say that you ought I, not be that way. I have too much beverage at night. Right. There's no such thing as my bladder's too small, right? Nobody no, when they're 15 gets up in the middle of the One of the ways I keep myself from eating is to sip on something, whether that is wine or seltzer. Or, which would not be a good sleep hygiene methodology. Which, and that's a struggle. Yeah, that, that was a struggle. That's a struggle. Yeah. But, but I was going to say even with dinner, though, just as far as the uh, more harmful, you know, I, I would guess, you know, tea, if it's got caffeine, sugar in it. Oh. Uh, obviously a soda with, you know, yeah. God knows how much sugar in it. Uh, I would say wine might be better, but still it's a sugar and sugar it's, and alcohol. Does the alcohol, alcohol thing. Alcohol does impact the sleep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so those things too, I think those get innocuous. Oh, and juice. My gosh, I'm, I'm still blown away when I see juice is never on the good list. Oh my gosh. Parents. And they think they're doing the kid's body good. And it's a hundred percent juice for any time is, is we don't do it ever, but for dinner, Oh my gosh, man. You're just, jacking that kids. Just no, there really is no call for it. Uh, I guess some people these days might do milk with dinner and I'd say there's, there's really no call for it. Well, and, and basically well, with dinner, you ought not be drinking with your, you, it's kind of a we, different topic. We, we don't. I mean, so when we sit down at our family and it's 10 people or whatever, there's zero glasses on the table. Zero, except for me, because I often have wine. <laughs> That's Fair. My family will still do it. Marcy enjoys it, but we have four ounce cups. The little, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're called juice cups. Uh, they're but, called regular cups in Europe, but not in America. Not in America. <laughs> they're just like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but even it's the, that is the dose of a glass of wine, right? It's four ounces, yeah. maybe six, but I think it's four is, is a glass. And that's what in healthier cultures, you know, a little bit of green tea, a little bit of wine, a little bit of seltzer water, Okay, you wet your whistle, but it you you can't have the double fisted, you know, big gulp and free refills and tea, uh, and or water, but because that will also delay your digestion, which also impacts your your bedtime or your what is going on later on in as you're going to sleep. So a good rule of thumb is stay well hydrated between meals, and don't drink during your meals. Yeah, 
And if you do, it's a sip of wine, tea, water. And again, like everything, we could just, you know, go with, if you're going to, what's the best you can do? Well, you know, water, seltzer water. I mean, you can go back up to the worst, which would probably be tea, juice, mountain, yeah, mountain (laughs) dew. Exactly. You know, and on that, as we're talking about the reality, if somebody is saying, man, I I hear you guys, but I'm going to watch a show and I'm going to eat something again. What's the least offensive thing that you could eat. Cause I say that because I know mine, mine is just like you have, we have a, a big supply of nuts. So if I'm going to eat late and, you know, admittedly with shows on and I'm going to, Oh my gosh, I just, am not going to, I don't have enough willpower and I go, I'm going to get nuts, uh, you know, some flavored, you know, pecans or cashews or whatever. And those bother me less than the popcorn. carb, popcorn, <laughs> uh, the carb, the chips, the whatever, Probably even dairy. Dairy is probably a consistent one, whether it's cheese or whatever, which gets people mucusy uh, for the night. I, I, there's so many different individual responses here, but if you're going to yeah choose the least offensive kind of thing for your snacks, uh, well, popcorn's a great example because in our family, popcorn would be one of those things that you can get a pretty healthy version of popcorn, but it's going to wreck you. Yeah. Um, the well, it's, I, but you still wouldn't put it as good as nuts, would you? As far as a slow burn and Correct. I mean, nuts, especially if you're not overdoing calories and things like that, and it's a slow burn. And But are you doing raw nuts? Nope. Nope. And so then there's the other things. Lately, you know what? I have a bag right over there uh, brought from Texas pecans that we shelled. And Terry, what did she do? She soaked them and then baked them? Roasted them. Roasted them. Uh-huh. So good. Yeah. I, 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 most people will like the lightly salted roasted kind of a thing. So, and you know, I go through lots of nuts, but that's my in-between. That's my kind of snack when I get home from yeah. work. So it's not as much of a treat at night. And so it'll either be uh, nothing or we'll have a little dessert. We're trying to do little bitty ones. So like the least offensive, um, and you can buy healthier versions where they don't have the high fructose corn syrup of now here we're on Halloween and we have those candy corns. <laughs> uh, that's horrific. <laughs> it's, but we're going for the least okay, bad, right? right so right. Um, <laughs> the organic candy corn, I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but you get two it's, of but them. It's, it's organic tobacco it's, in my it's, cigarette. It's your, <laughs> it's your after dinner treat and we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We have chocolate chips. Dark, and uh, well, try yes. to do dark. So, yeah. and strangely, I love, I kind of love the fact that my kids are turning their nose up at the dark chocolate because then I get it all, but they don't like dark chocolate and I'm, well, that's fine, but we're not buying milk. It'll never you be You know, what's terrible is I buy the cheap chocolate chips for them and I have the dark chocolate <laughs> and now they think they like the dark chocolate, but they eat up all my dark chocolate and it's expensive. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Well, so there we're, we're learning, uh, that the, you know, and now we've got kids that are actually eating a lot. So that's, that's hard. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, right. The well, nuts, well, something to snack on. Yeah. I get it. And of course, if you're setting up the best parameters, try not to do anything and all that. But on the weekend nights, it's, it's, you're doing popcorn or yeah. really healthy version of XYZ dessert. It's dessert. So let it well, be and I do, I, I look at that and think, man, if it's going to be a sugary thing like that, let's eat it as quick as soon as we can, not Early. late. And then if I'm going to, and then eat be late, done, don't have the open bag. And I noticed this last oh, yeah. night cause it was a new bag and the little kids, they can't stop. Yeah. So now we hand them, you get, you know, five candy corns or whatever. And then we put the bag away. Yeah. It's, it, otherwise it just, yeah. they don't stop. 
Well, so food. I, one other thing that I want to I want to hit on this though is the sleep apnea snoring issue. So because we can take all those things and do well and still have that issue over here. Though I would assume though if you're eating lifestyle whatever, you're going to have less snoring, less sleep sleep apnea. But for those who that it, right, it is a, it is a thing. Even if you do well, because even in mine, I have done you know, uh, continually weller and yet was, was struggling with snoring. And for me solved it with one of those mouthpieces, but now I'm, but I'm mouth breathing, which I always do. So that's an issue in and of itself, but at least I'm not snoring, disrupting my sleep and my, my wife, my sleep and my wife's sleep with, uh, the little mouth. I don't know what you call it. Mouth guard thing. You kind mm-hmm. of form it there and it keeps my, it keeps my jaw when from I'm falling back backwards. from falling back. So there's lots that goes into this from the morphology or just the shape of your face. And this goes way back into childhood and the lack of fiber in our diets. And the reason that is because over the decades of time, we don't chew enough to create size in our mandibles. And when that happens, everything is a little smaller. So your airway is smaller. And then you have a little bit of mucus from the milk or from allergies or something like that. And you have to open your mouth to breathe. And, and it's, so common now that people say, well, but I just snore. Yeah. Well, but you, I'm going to bring the dentistry. You know, you talked about that when we were kids, they pull the teeth, put braces on and it narrowed everything. Shrunk it in. Now they've learned it. So I've got kids. I've now got the third or fourth one that just went through the expander. Correct. Expanded up in there, pain in the butt. But now I'm grateful after what you've taught me and that's going to open things up instead of closing. I haven't even shared with you. So my littlest one in in an effort, who's nine in an effort to not need braces. So, but he's, he's small. Even I could tell that. And so micronathia, you know, small maxilla and mandible. And, and, and so we're working with one of the dentists for him in, so he's wearing a nighttime guard that teaches his tongue to be at the top of the mouth. So the tongue is what's pushing up. So if everybody just pushed up right behind, don't push your teeth out, but right behind your front teeth uh-huh. and push really hard with your tongue there is what happens when the infant is suckling. Oh, yeah. And of course, many people don't get to breastfeed. And if they do, it's less than a year. And so there's not enough pressure to expand that maxilla out. And then when we're not chewing high fiber diets and it's these highly processed foods, there's not enough pressure to expand things out. And so then it just develops over time where the tongue is not in the right spot. And then a few decades later, and then at 40, your tongue falls backwards or something like that. Okay, so lots of issues there on the decades of not necessarily dentistry, but just mouth hygiene or mouth physiology. And then here we are later, and my watch is telling me that that I'm mouth breathing more than, and and my uh, pulse oximetry will go down, which I didn't think I was doing. And even just breathing through an open mouth is a degree of, of pathology. It impacts your sleep. And then snoring is another level. So for people to remember, we've said this before, snoring is a disease. It is pathology. It's not normal. It's never normal. It's always impacting your sleep and decreasing the amount of recovery that you can do. And then over time, and then if you get to sleep apnea where there's a diagnosable amount of snoring or lack of oxygen for lengths of periods of time, And just so that people are aware, it's called an apnea hypopnea index. So the machines will measure how many times per night you you have apnea, which is no breathing for a set number of seconds versus hypo breathing or hypopnea for a set number. Like you don't breathe enough 
times over a set number of minutes or seconds, and then it measures that. And so normal is less than five, meaning per hour, five times per hour. So normal from zero to five times per hour, your breathing is disrupted in some way. Whether you had to, you know, take deep breath or something, and and we would call that normal physiology. So if you're six or 10 or 16 or 20 or whatever, and when it gets to severe up where some people are at 50, 60, 70 times per, per hour, which means once per minute, they stop breathing and the brain has to wake up a little bit to reset the breathing mechanism. And they don't wake up, wake up, but it messes up the sleep cycles. And now, you know, gosh, 10 to 20% of people with sleep apnea that's definable out there. And this is, doesn't mean that people are overweight. You're not overweight, but you probably would score on that AHI index if you did the test. In a, in a small degree, I would imagine, if you didn't have your mouthpiece in. So that's, you know, like we say the words pre-diabetes or pre-hypertension, is that pre-sleep apnea? And yes, it is. And it's a tremendous burden over time, so one night doesn't make a difference, but it's a great example of night after night after night yeah. after night. It weighs in on the system, so it's, a, it's another layer of paint on your weight every day that when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, at some point. So it's clearly related to cardiovascular risk, to dementia risk, to energy risk and vitality and, yeah. and all of those things. So for people, if they notice that this is an issue, I would just say, don't sweep it under the carpet and just keep coping. This is one of those things too. And, and heck, we've kind of mentioned, you know, my website and people joining up with me, but that's something we can order across state lines for people. It's about 150 bucks to get a, a medical grade sleep quality test. And these days you can even buy those machines. I would never call them medical grade, but to get a pattern um, this is not going to be on your watches or the aura ring, but to look at the ox- oxygen. And so for 150 bucks or so, you can buy those kind of machines that record it overnight. Not the $20 pulse oximeter on your finger. It has to record it all night long so that you can be asleep. And if you're under 90%, that's a red flag. Now, we're at high altitude, so it's a little bit harder to interpret that. Uh, but that's where I've been averaging is right at 90%. So I think I'm on the border there. And, and when Dr. Bredesen said that, that was a red flag to me to think, what kind of weight is that on my brain over time yeah. to be averaging that? Does it mean I need to have a mouthpiece or I need to put oxygen or move to What's sea level? CPAP machine? Uh, well, right. So if somebody has a obstructive sleep apnea there's also central sleep apnea where your brain forgets to breathe but if it's obstructive meaning your mouth you have a soft palate that's fallen back or you're overweight or something like that and then to treat it how do you do that you can do surgery you can do dental therapy or you could do the CPAP continuous positive airway pressure is what that means and it scares a lot of people and we could do a whole show on CPAP alone and and the way I teach them is like it's a skill yeah. If you have to do it, just learn it. Like we, we, you know, every five-year-old is terrified of learning how to ride a bike and it's like, we're going to make you do it. And, and then once you, you get the skill then you never forget how to do it, that's kind of, you get comfortable with the CPAP and it is learnable for, for some people. It's not. And it's a problem for the people who it's worked for. It's, it's their testimony is life-changing. Uh, my, my father-in-law, you know, he always says, Oh, I love my CPAP. And I've also got patients who say, I'll never touch that thing again. I cannot do it. I'll take the consequences and they can't do it. So both people are out there, but 
you know, around here, we seriously look at people moving to Texas because they can't live at the altitude. Well, one, one little soapbox I have on the whole snoring uh, issue is co-sleeping. I mean, that is a mm-hmm. cultural thing that we do. You get married or you have a significant other, you sleep together. And for those, especially who have a partner who snores or whatever, I have seen people wreck their own sleep by trying to, you know, stay together in holy yeah. matrimony in bed. And, you know, Terry and I still struggle with that because you got 25 years of, of sleeping together. And, you know, she feels really separated if we don't sleep together. But we've gotten to where we have another bed available uh, in another room next door of doing if one of us is snoring, having a hard time sleeping or she's got, you know, night sweats or whatever of doing that and protecting at least one of our sleep. And man, I just, I, it's such a, I'm burdened by people, especially women who stick with their husband in bed, who's snoring like a freight train, killing their sleep. Talk about a primary sleep wrecker is somebody in your room snoring. No. And honestly, Kevin, I wouldn't even call it a soapbox. This is one of those things where we'd say, look, this is medical. The studies have been done. Co-sleeping is more often detrimental to sleep than helping sleep. There you have it. And for many, many reasons yeah. right now, now many times on both sides, I've had women who say, Oh, I would just not do that. Or men at the, on the other side saying, I, I just, and then I would say, well then lose the weight. And, and I would, in, in this particular case, I would say to the woman, 90 days, let that be in, let that be a motivation for him to lose 10 pounds that if it doesn't happen, we're going to stay Or get the CPAP separated. machine or do whatever. Well, and even it. CPAP is noise. Oh, you're right. So it, it, there's, and here we are, this is a great way to kind of end. It's complex. It's multifactorial. And if we could all go back 50 years and begin this in our infancy and become good sleepers over time and protect sleep, recognize the value of it. But you're, if you're already over here where sleep is broken and you have sleep apnea or those kind of things, you're going to hurt yourself. And to those couples where the, the partner there is usually snoring and there's so much snoring that, that it's sleep disruptive, I would say, if you can, if you can set up a 90 day period of time and, and don't do that sleep separate and just take a look at the uh, test it. Yes. Have very open and communication ahead of time about, you know, um, our, our commitment to one another and all those kind of things. And of course, lovemaking and that kind of thing. But even then it's the test the actual studies say that the romance goes up. Because, because I was going to say, purposeful. I'll be a better husband if I go over here and not disrupt your sleep so you wake up grouchy or not have my sleep sure. disrupted. And well, I literally, Terry and I, we, we quipped about it because something happened last weekend. And we said, you know, we're great in bed together, except, except for sleep. Except for sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then, but if you sleep better, does that help libido? Absolutely. Well, yes, it does. Absolutely. Again, a cultural thing. Cultural. That's right. That I get. Yeah. Well, so, you know, on this, obviously there are things that you can do to measure your sleep. You can get an aura ring. You can get a wearable device like we're wearing on our, on our wrist that can help you get an idea of whether you're getting good sleep or not. But going back to the beginning, if you sleep through the night, wake up unrested, if you go to sleep at night, can't go to sleep. If you go to sleep at night, can't stay asleep. You don't need any measurement to tell you that you're having sleep problems. You know, uh, if you're you know. feeling tired, you know. And so here are some areas you can start addressing. Well, this episode should give you good ideas on what to do to help your sleep. 
Since this recording, I got a watch that gives me a sleep score. It's a Garmin Phoenix 6 that I mainly have for recording my trail runs and mountain bike races, but it also gives a sleep score. And it's further opened my eyes to my sleep patterns and quality. I'd still give the Aura Ring and Whoop wearable device higher ratings for sleep and recovery, but anything that helps you see your consistent patterns is really significant. And I do see wearing a wearable device as the only way to really know what's happening at night when you're unconscious. So here's to you and recharging. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven, my friends.